It's no surprise that updating the electricity grid today will make for a better tomorrow. Increased self-sufficiency is just one of the benefits. The Great Grid upgrade will also boost the economy and create new green jobs. And best of all, you can continue doing the things you love, like watching the latest epic nature documentary or listening to this podcast while caring for the planet too. Find out more at nationalgrid.com. This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Hi, it's Stephen Colbert, and I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert, and I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. So what do people get when they listen to The Late Show Pod Show? Let's, let's sell this thing. The extended moments, for sure, because we run out of time for broadcast, but we have plenty of time on the podcast. It's kind of like being a live audience member of the show because you get things that no one else hears. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. You're listening to The Plodcast, the nature and countryside podcast from BBC Country Farm magazine. I'm Fergus and I'm your host. Now this week, Plodcast regular Kevin Parr heads deep into the Dorset countryside to find a ruined chapel forgotten in the woods. Kevin samples the atmosphere of this eerie place and tells stories that are hidden in the landscape. It's a beautiful atmospheric adventure and he even finds a ghost. Later, Kev joins me and the team in the studio to celebrate our fifth birthday, which is very exciting. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, please don't forget to leave likes and positive reviews wherever you're listening to it. Over to you, Kev. Just startled a pheasant. What a day. It's um, mid-January and it's so still. We've had stiff northerly winds, sort of mixed up with gales bowling in. And it's been cold last night, was a long way below freezing. But the sun shone today and we've just got a little bit of respite from the the cloud and the northerly fronts which are clobbering the north, I think, with snow today. We are okay here in South Dorset and a view I've not seen before, even though I can uh, see to within a couple of miles of home from this spot. I'm near Abbotsbury, which is quite well known for its swannery actually. It's a lovely little village well-known to tourists. It also has an awful lot of history. The village itself was created in 1040-something by King Canute, who built an abbey there, which has since fallen into disrepair. But anyone who drives the coast road here, which is absolutely stunning, they'll be aware of St Catherine's Chapel, which sits on a prominent brow to the south of the main road. But I'm going inland slightly um, to look for the ruins of another chapel from a similar time called St Luke's, of which only the ruins remain. And it's said to be quite mysterious. So I'm quite glad I've picked a day that it's bright and sunny, even though the sun's 
got an hour, hour and a half or so in it, but it's not too gloomy or misty and eerie. It feels quite bright and sharp. And then afterwards, I'm going to head elsewhere where I've been told I might see ghosts. Not that I believe in ghosts, but flying ghosts, perhaps. As it is, I'm about to embark down a slow sweep of track and you can tell we're near the coast because all the, the lines of blackthorn and hawthorn along the hedge, they're all um, bent and out of shape. It's amazing to look at. There's one on the far horizon that looks as though it's in a hurricane, but it's stone still. The trunks sort of veers off at 45 degrees and then there's not a single branch that that's other than 90 degree angle amazing to look at i shall see what i find down this track I hope you can hear that, it's an incredible phenomenon here. There's obviously a spring just higher off on the ridge and it's feeding a just a trickle of water which is frozen hard but the water is pushing underneath it and it's just finding small gaps. It looks bizarre. It looks like little worms almost searching for a gap. And then the sound is odd, gloopy. I quite like it, I'm getting quite distracted, must carry on. I, I dropped below uh, a ridge and oh, there's a fox. Oh, it's gone. He was looking, I could smell a fox and then I didn't realise there was one so close. It was about 50 yards behind me on the uh, track and watching me, <laughs> as soon as I turned around it, um, scarfed in the direction of of the castle, Abbotsbury Castle, which was Iron Age hill fort, and is one of the most perfect <laughs> spots for a hill fort, overlooking the coast, the highest sort of slightly inland point. You see all the way west down to Start Point and then east down to Portland Bill. And no one's gonna give you the slip very easily. And the Celts who lived here were ocean going. They um, traded a lot with people in Iberia and up the west coast of France. Probably had more in common with them than they did with other tribes in British Isles. Certainly shared coinage. A view across the sea was pretty prime. I can see Lewiston Hill and Pilsden Pen, which were both forts. Chilcombe is another fort. Egerton's just beyond the ridge to, my, to the north. And then west I can see Golden Cap, which is glowing quite nicely in the late sun. I've um, reached a gate. Good squeak. Nothing to tell me that I'm going to a chapel. But a footpath into the woods and that little trickle that I was just recording has turned into something or joined another little spring and turned to something more substantial. It's quite an old woodland I'd say and a lovely little bridge just walked across. The great thing is I've no idea where to go it's going to be hit and miss to some degree. 
and there's just a little bit of cloud coming so I don't really want to get lost it's very quiet in here too a couple of oh, a couple more wood pigeons scattering there's something very small seeping could be a gold crest it's so cold again back in here where the sun hasn't reached I don't think the temperature's much above zero it's been coppice, there's a lot of hazel in here and there looks to have been a lot of coppicing done over the years a few bigger trees dotted around that look as though they're considerably older but then coppice hazel can live for 300 odd years so the woods have served a purpose other than to house a chapel it's rather an odd place to site a chapel the landscape would look very different when it was built was in the 13th century 1240s I think the land was secured I'm just negotiating a bit of gloop although it's pretty solid gloop it's not too bad <laughs> it's quite handy another nice little fairy bridge and a different trickle interesting these streams must be dropping down into the River Bride which I was just looking across north to across the Bride Valley and the Bride despite the name isn't the river that gives Bridport its name that's the Brit but the Bride enters the sea at Burton Bradstock it's only a short sort of six mile little stream that's some fantastic bracket fungi not sure what that is I should do I'll negotiate the next little bit I didn't realise quite how easy it would be to find this path has brought me straight to it gosh I'm just in the middle of the woods the stream is probably about 20 feet below me to the left and then directly in front is the remainder of an arch and a great doorway it's ivy clad it's quite odd it looks slightly out of place or rather the altar there's an altar beyond which I don't believe is, well it's not from the original building and in fact there's some tombs that I read a, a family that about 100 years ago loved this spot so much they were buried here I feel quite odd stepping towards the arch it looks incredibly robust considering it's 800 years old it's been patched up here and there I shall step in it's odd all that's really left is the archway but you can see where the rest of the chapel would have been there's some tombstones on the ground Looking a bit warm. Died in 45. And in an altar, which is a stone squared off, and it's rather lovely. There is votives by the looks of it an apple, sprig of rosemary, it's been left, a lit candle in a jar. So someone must have surely been here today. Oh, and it smells 
smells delicious. And there's various coins, and I think people have obviously left little gestures. I might have to have a rummage and see what's in my pocket. A lovely mossy and fern encrusted altar. It's, there is a cross, a wooden. Ah, I'm going to leave a plectrum, which I was given about 12 years ago. Something a little different, perhaps. But there's a nice little stone with a five pence and a lovely little shell. I'm going to leave my pick so that perhaps whoever this is for can play a guitar better than I could. It is strange, I don't know quite how to feel. I don't feel overwhelmed and it certainly doesn't have any sort of sinister edge. I guess the sound of the stream is helping. It's that constant reassurance. But what a strange place. The woods carry on. And the pathway carries on. There's a lovely old tree stump here that can't be accidental that it's been formed into a seat. It looks like a seat. I can see why people have fallen in love with it and have chosen to, to be buried here. I think in the sense of where holy buildings normally are. They're kind of built for ease and for, well, by and large, but then other properties are built around. But this is a some distance from anywhere, any other inhabitation. It's a lovely, quiet, contemplative state. Some ash trees about, I hope they're not too poorly. There's lots of keys on that one, so hopefully not. It's fascinating. I, f I feel I just switch off for a bit and, and just have a little ponder. I've slightly lost track of time. Just um, standing and so I wasn't even thinking really, I was just sort of switched off. But I can hear where the blackbirds are starting to alarm, which normally means they're moving to places to roost. Sun, I don't think it's set just yet, but it's dipping. So I better head back if I'm to make it to my other spot. But um, quite a special place. I wonder what the atmosphere would be like in spring. I think um, it's supposed to be decked with bluebells. I imagine that's fairly lovely. And I imagine in summer, a really hot summer's day, I think it would be lovely and cool here. Shaded and a, um, a misty, murky late autumn evening. Could be very interesting. Slightly reluctant to go, stepping back out through the arch, even though I'm not physically inside, it feels as though I am. Amazing that there's still any of it standing. Obviously, it would have been helped, but in 16th century, it was it went into ruin with Henry VIII's handiwork, dissolution of the monasteries. But worth a walk, and it's no great distance, although it was all downhill. And now I've got to go back uphill. Um, <laughs> I'll step back through the arch. I shall leave you for the moment, because you won't want to hear me breathing heavy as I stomp up the hill. I've come east a couple of miles to the other side of Abbotsbury to where there's a different sense 
in the landscape. This is um, just on the edge of the South Dorset Ridgeway, where um, it's been said if there was a sort of a stone circle the size of Stonehenge or Avebury, then it would probably be gain more attention as a Neolithic site because there are stone circles, there's several. There's barrows, there's one of the densest clutter of tumuli, burial mounds, I think, anywhere in Britain. And I'm here because of a tip-off that this was a spot where a couple of short-eared owls have been roosting. And they've been appearing at dusk and hunting in the meadows behind where I'm sitting. So I'm going to go and have a look. I did come last week with Sue, my wife, and we got absolutely frozen to the bone. The wind was so cold and was ripping through. I don't think any self-respecting owl would be um, taking wing. Shepherd's just pulled up in the field opposite and he's shifting his sheep who are being very obedient. But I'm going to go and have a look have a little stroll, there's a footpath, so I'm not going to be trespassing. Um, and see if anything floats along. I don't believe it. <laughs> I, I really didn't think I'd see anything. And I've just walked a little way along the field behind, there's a footpath coming through and there's a hawthorn tree just on the ridge above me and a blob in it and I thought, I'll just check, I thought it's probably a corvid or a pigeon, but no, it's a short-eared owl. I can't believe it. It's the first one I've seen for several years it's being rather distracted by the ravens at the minute as you can probably hear I'm just going to try and get the other side of it I don't want to speak it and it it's not a huge distance from me oh that's gorgeous it's looking around it's not interested in me at all which is interesting. Perhaps it has been seeing a few people. I mean, it's a silhouette, but there's enough light. It's only the sun has set. The sky is extraordinary. It's deep, sort of blues, greys. The sea, the sea, it's just like glass. Turning around to describe it, and then um, not wanting to take my eyes off. The owl. I'm just going to move a little bit further along. I know crows come over the top, and it's decided it. It's, just, <laughs> it's going back round. It doesn't like the owl. It's dropping a bit. It could get airborne in a sec. Again, it's paying me no attention. I wonder if that's a favourite perch, because it's um, helicopter coming over. branch that's just winding off to the left of the hawthorn and then this lovely dumpy shape 
that it's finally having a look at me. But again, not it's not bothered. It really doesn't seem to care. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. It's been a really good year for Shorty Dows in across Britain. It's been good numbers. And certainly the the spot further north in the county where um, I recorded with Chris Yates. We went looking for a hen harrier and we got lucky. It's a good spot for hen harriers. It's probably better known, or it is better known for the short-eared owls. I think there's been up to nine up there this winter. But I don't have to go that far now. I'm just absolutely wrapped. I can't believe it. <laughs> I can't believe it's been this straightforward. I didn't think they'd be here. I thought the um, the cold might have seen them off. I mean, there's only one. I can't see a second bird. I was told there were two, at least. But I'm not complaining. And I'm torn between the view to the southwest. Incredible sky. Glassy sea. St. Catherine's Chapel silhouetted against it and the fleet and then looking east across Portland but I can't turn my back on this shorty down in case it takes off and I don't want to disturb it so I'm going to bid you farewell I look up at the moon the quiet moon Life is a highway and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispie. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal. So why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So there we have it, Kev finishing with a winged ghost, a short-eared owl. Amazing. The second time we've had a short-eared owl on the podcast, and I think it was episode eight the last time, so it's been a while. Brilliant, sort of lovely tale from the landscape, and I'm just delighted that Kev is joining us, not quite in the studio, but joining me and Jack from uh, across the, well, it's two yogurt pots and a string. <laughs> but Kev, lovely to see you, and thank you for your adventure. And you both, and I can see you, even though you can't see me. Yes, we can't but see. No, we're, thank you. We, we, uh, Jack is here. Jack, who produces the podcast. Jack, thank you for joining me. It's no problem very good at all. Time. Nice to be here again. Um, we're going to talk, Kev, about your episode. But the first thing I want to say is to you both, because you've both been working on the podcast. We're five years and three days old, something like that. Happy, that right? birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Five years. Who knew yeah. when we started? Because Jack, Jack's worked on it from the very beginning. And who knew, Jack, that we'd be still doing it five it's, years later? It's crazy. I, I think just thinking back to 2019. Yeah. What a different world. God. <laughs> totally different yeah, world. It was, wasn't it? The things we've been through in these five years, I, I think you can never oh, guess. No. A, lot of, a lot of adventures and a lot of, a lot of pandemic. <laughs> Which I do think, though, the podcast really came into its own because it did give people a bit of a an escape when most of us couldn't get out. So even then, absolutely. And thank you to everyone out there for sticking with us. And and you know the audience is growing all the time, and it's just a lovely, lovely thing to be able to share our adventures and also share your emails and your sounds that you send us in. And we've got one for later. 
But the essence of these podcasts is escaping and telling stories from the landscape. And Kev, yours was a was I, I found yeah was very I found myself just very chilled hearing your voice going to a spooky site in the middle of the woods. Thank what, you. What made you choose St Luke's then? Just because I didn't know anything about it, and there's an awful lot of historical context in the local landscape, but most of it's kind of you know Neolithic or or very obvious. There's a, there's a chapel called St Catherine's, which is near Abbotsbury, which anyone who's driven the coast road will have seen. It's sort of on top of a little, very rounded hillock, and then I I read about this place that's just a ruin in the woods, and I thought that sounds quite interesting there's not sort of pages and pages of wikipedia entry about it or anything it's there's very little about it so i i thought i'd go and find it and venture into the woods to to see the ruins and it was yeah i found it quite moving it was because it was it was very calming and and, and we i really felt like we were crawling through the woods with you to to find this strange these strange ruins thank you yeah it's and and the fact that the people who are buried there yeah they discovered it about 100 years ago and and loved it so much and found the peace and quiet so so beautiful that they'd decided to be buried there when they died (laughs) (laughs) exactly it's a crucial crucial uh (laughs) correction um yeah. And the votive offerings—that's people still going there to leave, leave yeah. little, um, well, offerings, pr- pretty much. Absolutely, and a candle that was lit in in a jar, which um, was quite odd, but it smelled amazing. So people have been there just, but that's quite creepy that someone had just been there before you. It's odd. It reminded me a bit of on Dartmoor. There's uh, Jay's grave, which is the grave of Kitty Jay, who was a a maid who became pregnant by her boss the local kind of landowner and then she died i think she died in childbirth but because she'd had a child out of wedlock she had to be buried on unconsecrated land so there's just this point on dartmoor between um a, a road junction with this grave on it and then hundreds of years ago flowers started appearing on on her grave and fresh flowers appear every day and no one really knows who does it which is quite interesting, and it's just, it reminded me of that a bit. Yeah. Um, although I must admit, when we went to see Jay's grave, the flowers didn't look very fresh, so I don't think they they put there every day. But um, it was a similar idea, just where someone is is coming and placing things that obviously has great meaning, and it's well kept. It's not sort of there's not bits on the ground or rubbish lying around. It's it's very well maintained, but but also feels a little bit otherworldly. It's um, it's really interesting, a really amazing place, and it felt like you. Were, I was in a building, even though there's just the sort of one arch at one end that's still standing. It really felt, yeah, as if the walls are still there. It's strange. I love the the, the atmosphere, the atmosphere that you created, and 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 obviously that you felt. It's definitely the joy of this season when we don't have birdsong and don't have all the, the sort of nature quests in the same way, but the the tales that we've been able to tell have been really really interesting and exciting this this last winter and this one is sort of it just shows that look on your map you know anybody out there can look on a map and just go what the heck's there because you said there's not much on wikipedia it's almost like these in this day and age nothing exists unless it's in triplicate on the internet whereas actually absolutely there's so much that has slipped through the net that almost is being more quickly forgotten because people aren't going there um maybe the internet just concentrates people on going to the sort of popular places and everything else is being forgotten so i i really liked as well i was saying this to lewis on our team that you left bits in where you said like i'm gonna just stop for a minute now and just be on my own and be in this space uh for a bit which we did sort of laugh thinking that we have no idea the time between those two two (laughs) takes you could have been there for days but just that idea of there is such a almost secret not much is known about the place and you taking that time to go you know what i am just gonna stop and just be present in this this place that no one really massively knows about i think there's something really nice about that and that i, I think we spoke about before people don't do that often is just to get go somewhere and just stop and not like rush around or try and find stuff there it's just to stop and observe what's there and really experience that space yeah no, that's no it's really true and i think i don't know how long i was there because suddenly i was you know i went quite late you know it's, it, but the days are so short but it was suddenly the the blackbirds sort of clucking and you know as they do when they're 
moving to roost and something that sort of jolted me awake a bit and I suddenly thought gosh I've been there for you know it could have been two minutes it could have been you know half an hour I'm not really sure that how long I was just sort of taking it in which is even nicer you just sort of lose yourself in a in a place in a moment and time disappears more of that i think that's the whole i mean our sound escapes on friday that we release on friday are a sort of attempt to provide a bit of mindfulness but we do need to just stare stare at raindrops and wind and steamed up windows and, and 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 the kind of we just need to spend more time not doing and more time being so a good encouragement kev a good reminder that we need yes. to stop 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 so maybe we should call it the stop breeze <laughs> yeah I've got to say as well, I think uh, I think it was about six minutes in. I think there's a contender for gate squeak of the year. <laughs> lovely one, <laughs> it lovely was a good, one. Yes, it was a good gate, that one. Very, very trombone It almost sounded like the beginning <laughs> of the... <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Oh, lovely, lovely. We do need more. We, we do like our podcast gates, gates of the podcast. And to finish with the shorted owl, uh, a really... I mean, it's a day flying owl. Is that right, Kev? Generally, yeah. They, they can fly in day, generally crepuscular. So... On the cusp of the day, dawn and dusk, which you can tell because they've got yellow eyes, whereas um, the long-eared owl, which is much more nocturnal, but they look quite similar apart from the lengths of the tufts that aren't their ears at all, that's got very orange eyes, like an eagle owl has got very orange irises. So the sort of pale of the iris, the, I guess it's down to the sort of rods and cones makeup within the iris, I suppose. They, yeah, they, they can be very easy to see during a day where they're moving about and especially if they're you know food's tough to find or weather's been bad and they can be hunting in the middle of the day and they're fantastic to watch although this one just sat the entire time <laughs> yeah. i was watching it yeah i blob in it but i couldn't believe it i as you as you heard and i i think i mentioned to you that i didn't do a good job in, in describing it because i was so shocked that it was actually there where it should be i couldn't but i couldn't get over it but I they're think, um, um is any, I might be wrong here, but I'm hoping I'm kind of right. I think it's about, I use my little book I got for my uh, Christmas present, about 1,400 pairs in the UK around that number. So there's like not that many. And even on the maps, it showed that it's out of all the owls, it's it's not everywhere. <laughs> so to spot no. one, I think, is a, is a bit of a treat. Yeah, definitely. And um, and we get a lot more in winter because they, which, which is where this bird would have come from. They're not nesting locally, but you get a, a big influx from sort of Scandinavia, Russia, I think Iceland as well. There's good numbers and obviously they're pushed down as the daylight goes but um, and the cold comes in because they do like their voles. They do but, like their um, voles, yeah. Who doesn't? But this year, this winter's been particularly good. I, I did read that after a few sort of quite sparse winters, it's it's as well as wax wings, which have been well noted, it's been a good winter for shorties. And I think I, I read somewhere only th- over 300 sites have recorded shorted owls this winter, which is pretty good. There's still plenty of time to find shorted owls this winter. Normally, sort of coastal grassland, coastal meadows. Um, Absolutely, yeah. They do tend tend to the coasts and uh, or reed beds, sort of expanses. Yeah, anything definitely worth sort of late in the day and just watching for that sort of. They've got lovely russets and brown, very soft, and you can feel when you're watching them fly. You feel the silence, even if you can't hear the silence, because they. They just look effortless. They just float around like little duvets. <laughs> <laughs> a duvet. Yeah. That's a brilliant sighting and happening. Regular listeners will know that we, whenever we have our plod chats, we, we, we try and catch up on what we've seen during the week. Uh, have you seen anything else, Kev, before I move on to Jack? Um, who's, who's yeah, this, on a good um, this week, I mean, it's been, we had a, a Merlin from the lounge on Tuesday, which is pretty nice. But I think... Actually, the, the nicest thing this week's been the ravens, watching the local raven pair that, that are displaying, and they, they're they amazing. I was looking out now because they're not about at the moment, but they, they kind of, they're almost glued to one another, wingtip to wingtip, and they just sort of swing around, and it's, you know, quite acrobatic. The male will flip upside down, and then you can just lose hours watching them. It's, that's a real fascination. So they're on territory now. Um, that's amazing, isn't it? And that's... Yeah. Starting to breed. Yeah. They're early breeders. They're early breeders. I'm not sure if Jack can has seen anything more spectacular than ravens. How about you, Jack? Any have you been allowed out? My big well my, my one this week is uh, I've been we've been looking around at um I think if if long time listeners probably heard uh end of last year that I got engaged. So we've been looking at 
wedding places. So it's been very a bit wedding heavy recently. But um, we were out and about and heading to one of those that was sort of a bit on the outskirts. And um, there was a few farms there. But the amount of pheasants we saw was unbelievable. And I don't know, there's something about a pheasant. They're, they're very fancy, I think, out of out of <laughs> the birds. They just look like they should wear, be wearing ha- top hats, I think. They just... Beautiful little birds. They are beautiful. Yeah, they are beautiful. Uh, we should probably do a whole podcast about pheasants at some stage because they're probably the most, I'd say, up there with the hen harrier, the most controversial bird yeah. in Britain. Um, so yes. we could do a kind of controversial species episode at some stage. I would be quite interested. And Kev, you must come because I know we we've all got some thoughts on pheasants, and we could get a couple of experts yes. in. Yeah. Um, but obviously, a lot of Definitely. pheasants are released. Uh, for the shooting, and um, it does inflate their numbers incredibly. So they are handsome, though. They're definitely handsome. They're very handsome, and we should, if we do that, we'll definitely have to catch one and then and then dress it in a little top hat. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. If, well, we can just do that because it's audio. <laughs> We've got of one course, here. Yeah, of course we can. Of course we can. And it There's could about be seven in here with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're very quiet, but they're very well behaved. I am. Jack I'm could thinking. have... Pheasant ushers as well at, <laughs> at the wedding. <laughs> that's that's the plan. I've got a couple of owls as well, just to keep I, the vibe yeah. up. Bring the ring in on an owl. Um, I um, enjoyed lots of lovely walks, feeling spring coming at the moment with more bird song and uh, lots of song thrushes and missile thrushes singing at the moment, which is lovely yes. because they're not particularly song thrushes not doing brilliantly well in Britain, and um, the song is fantastic. And in these clear, bright mornings that we're having. That with a missile thrush in the distance, it's lovely, very evocative, very beautiful, and um, stirs the old soul, my old soul. But um, <coughs> I am looking forward to tomorrow's hopeful sighting when Jack and I are going off with Will Millard to do some pike fishing, finally, the long-threatened pike fishing adventure. So we'll be recording that. Wish us luck. <laughs> Kev, we're so sorry you're not with us because all fishing episodes should have a Kevin Parr in, but... Um, Oh, we'd we'd love to be, love to be, and and I and I could have. Well, yes, I can't come, unfortunately, no. but it would have been really nice. But I think you'll be in good hands with Will, even if I'm, you know, slightly concerned that you're hanging out with a, a different fisherman. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. No one could usurp you, oh, especially <laughs> when I'm going to be pulling up the massive fish compared to last time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. I mean, and and that's it. Will won't have seen the size of that rod you caught. Jack, so you can definitely. <laughs> I mean, I think it was probably four pounds. It's huge. Which, huge. Yeah. yeah, enormous. Nearly emptied the canal, so, put him back in. Um, yeah, I think, but you'll have a good day, a really good day, and I think I hope I hope we'll find you some pike. That would be uh, it. Would be very exciting. I've never ever caught a pike, so that would be really, yeah. really, really fun. Appeal to everyone listening: do send us your sightings and happenings, and any sounds that you've recorded. You can always contact us, Jack and I, on editor at countryfile.com. We await. We've got lots of. We've I've had loads in lately, actually. Really lovely, supportive emails, and um, I've got a couple actually. I'm going to read this one because it's right in front of me. It's from Dave Barton, and he says, "I have my own gardening business, and I'll often spend the day listening to your podcasts. I really enjoy the diversity of subjects and the wide array of locations. Where I live is on the coast of Devon, about eight miles from Plymouth." The most memorable sighting I've had was the fin of a minke whale as it was checking out a lobster pot buoy. It was a very warm, sunny evening, and I can still hear it exhaling. Next time, Dave, record it. (laughs) But Dave's got a recording for us. Of course, I'm close to Dartmoor, and I spend as much time as I can there on my mountain bike or on foot with my camera, looking for things like fungi or birds. Here's a recording from a couple of years ago where I sat on the western flank of Sheep's Tor with my Springer Spaniel Dillis, as the cuckoos called and whizzed around. Thanks for the podcast. It's a soothing and informative listen. Dave, thank you. We're going to play this. Dave, thanks so much. That's lovely. Uh, rainfall there with the cuckoos behind. I can. I was there. I was there on the on the, on the flanks of sheep store. Um, we loved that. Jack. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting as well that it's not the first 
letter we've had in from someone that is like a gardener or in a landscaping job. So, I mean, if you know someone that's in it, they're probably going to like the podcast by the sounds of yeah, it. So yeah. push it onto them. Let them know about us. Exactly. Soothing listens for when you're busy. Um, Dave, we're going to send you a book from the podcast library. And as always, to everyone else out there, send us your sounds. The best one will get uh, a lovely book about the countryside. I do want to just share another. We've had some nice reviews on Apple podcasts uh, where they, they allow you to sort of leave really nice reviews. We've had a five, several five-star reviews lately. But this one moved me, actually. And I, you know, as I say, I've got a bitter old soul. But this was, um, this was <laughs> lovely. And this is from Jane via Apple Podcasts. And she gives us five stars. And she says to us, thank you for lifting my heavy, sad heart with your wonderful podcasts. You are thoughtful in your deliverance and your knowledge is incredible and you have some brilliant quests too. It really helps me. The episode on night jars was particularly brilliant. I've learned a lot, looked them up and I can see how truly wonderful they are. I'm going to listen to it again today. Keep up the good work. I never want to run out of your episodes. So, I mean, even when I read that out, it makes me think, gosh, thank you, Jane. Um, that is lovely. That's so, so beautiful. It kind of makes it all worthwhile. Because this is never going to make me and Jack rich or you, Kev, I'm afraid. But um, no. <laughs> but it certainly enriches our lives. And it's so lovely to know that for, for you, Jane, and for others, that it um, helps you. She calls herself the Walker of Miles. I'd like to do, I'd like, I think that's a great name. That's a nice name. The Walker yeah, of that's Miles. very nice. And a, and a really good point. And I think that's the joy is conveying things to people who maybe can't get out or, you know, have a stuck up you know in in a tower block or something just just offering a slice and hearing it so well received is a really lovely thing yeah thanks indeed Kev. which reminds me uh, it being your fifth birthday and i i was thinking of all the episodes that there have been and i was recalling possibly my er, an earlier favorite was just at the start of lockdown when fergus went off to chobham common to <gasps> That's my choice as well. That's so weird. Was it really? Yeah. That's my favourite episode. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Carry on, Kev. Sorry. Well, partly it it felt there was a lot more meaning to it in the fact that I think it was was sort of end of March 2020 when it came out. So it was, yeah, quite symbolic in a way that there was this amazing sound and it's it's the best bird song in the world. And there we were sort of going into lockdown. No one really knew what was going to happen or anything. and, And there was just this complete escape it it was it yeah it was it meant a lot i think how funny we should choose the same one because I, for exactly the same reasons it was a really hard one to get because i'd we jack and i'd been up in london for some awards and we'd stayed in a terrible hotel <laughs> and i think we had lost lost the award as well, well we so. didn't win the award <laughs> oh. uh, and i went i went there one evening I, not the, I went the day before and it poured with rain and i heard a distant one and didn't capture it on the recorder and I was due to go all the way home. And I saw the forecast the next day was for the most perfect. It was, it was March the 5th, 2020. So right, as you say, right before lockdown, all the shops running out of loo paper at the time, uh, yeah. which is a memorable thing of that period. But I went back the next day and it was this beautiful day. I heard the song for the first time in my life, recorded it. And it was the last one I made before we, we all got sh- sort of shut into our homes. Of course, I was able to get out in my home in South Wales and we sort of somehow managed to get through that um, very beautiful spring. But yes, Kev, for the same reasons. It's episode 49. Do check it out because I, I think it's, it, it, it is a beautiful song and I kind of it's a nice little postcard from pre-pandemic days <laughs> to remind ourselves what life was like then. Things have changed. Yes, yeah, enormously. As we shared a favourite, I'll chuck in... The favourite I, I made was definitely the canal trip with Jack and Hannah. Oh, yeah. And the monster rud. And there was just so much positivity about that day. And I think because the weather, and it was early autumn, but it was a really soft, sunny afternoon. And the house martins were wheeling around, sort of feeding up before they headed south. And It was magical. September 2022. So we'd come out of lockdowns then, but we'd had... It was a magical, magical experience. And... Um, one of my absolute, yeah, I think for, for a team outing, and thanks to you, Kevin, it was magical. It was perfect. It yeah. was, I think, after all that time locked away and all the restrictions for us just to be able to spend the day, just, oh, oh, I cannot explain the oh. positivity and just the, the relaxation that was experienced on that day. Yeah, I mean, I think we've banged on it so much. Just if you get a chance to do something like it, I think it's just so, so worth it. 
um, it's really good just to sort of refresh yourself and reset your mind. And that episode is 185. Yes, truly memorable. I think re-listening to that one, you can hear the joy in our voices and how, and Hannah, who can't be here today, um, I know how how important it was for her. So, um Hours of recording. <laughs> we had to boil down to that one yeah. perfect hour. Poor Jack. What, what was Jack's favourite? I mean, the fishing one's always going to be up there. I think that's that's the best one I've been involved with. But I think as it's a fifth birthday, I think we cannot not recommend all the way to the start. Episode one is where it all began. There was no, I think, a peek behind the curtain, behind the behind the scenes. I don't think there was a major plan of of how we how this podcast was going <laughs> to end or like what what the what the gist or what the the format points were it was just I think you went out Fergus recorded what you were going to enjoy listening to I helped put it together and sort of the rest is history and it sort of formed from there I think there's something about that first episode is just is the it's the pure essence of what the podcast is meant to be about it's it's a quest to find something it's, it's watership now yeah, yeah based on story down. it's yeah. it's a really good episode I mean it's Five years old now. <laughs> yeah. So it's a bit it's a bit ropey around the scenes. I was using a very different recorder in those days. But, um, but uh, recommend we have Hannah's it. voice as well. She was mm. re- did a reading from Warship Down. So it's sort of the, the gang's all there. Um, yeah, number one. Try that one. So there's three recommendations. Fantastic. I think, though, chaps, we've got some cake to eat. We yeah. have. We have. And some celebrating. Oh. Sorry, Kev. You'll, we'll send it oh. via the yogurt pots. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you could, you could show me a slice at least. Oh. Here we go. (laughs) That that looks good. Yeah, we're not allowed to light the candles in here because of the fire regulations. (laughs) (laughs) I've got to start doing my warm ups as well for the the huge fish I'm going to be lifting tomorrow. Of course, yeah. Kev, thank you so much for joining us and join us again for some fishing, for some more adventures. Spring is coming. We look forward to kind of seeing some more spring wildlife around Britain with you. But for now, um, good luck tomorrow. Oh, bless you. Thank you. And. Well, thanks, Jack, and thanks to everybody who's contributed to the podcast over the last five years, and to you all for listening. And join us again next week, where we embark on the next five years, hopefully. But for now, it's goodbye from me and from the whole podcast team.